what's interesting is that this is a very a potentially very serious uh, violation of the Tennessee Constitution. Hello, everyone. I'm Brandon Lewis, founder of the Tennessee Conservative, the Volunteer State's largest conservative newspaper. Today, we are joined by Judd Legum. Legum was born in Annapolis, Maryland, earned his Bachelor of Arts in Public Policy Analysis from Pomona. I hope that's Pomona, right. That's right. Pomona College and a Juris Doctorate from uh, Georgetown University Law Center in 2003. Uh, Legum founded Think Progress in 2005, running it for two years before leaving in 2007 to join Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign as a research director following the 2008 campaign. He practiced law in Maryland before uh, returning to Think Progress. He became the site's editor-in-chief and grew it uh, up to a 40-person newsroom that earned one uh, 1 million times 10, 10 million unique visitors a month. In 2010, uh, Legum successfully uh, ran, uh, unsuccessfully ran rather, for a Maryland House of Delegates. I've been there. I lost the city council election when I was in college. Thank God uh, that I did not win. Legum has drawn notice for reporting and commentary on a range of political topics, including the 2016 presidential campaign, uh, campaign finance, which we'll talk about later in this interview, uh, the legacy of Martin Luther King and contemporary politics and the media's role in politics. Legum's newsletter uh, called Popular Information is Substack's first politically focused publication. It launched in July 23, 2018. Welcome to the program, Judd. Thanks for having me. Pleased to be here. So uh, it's obvious that we are not on the same end of the political spectrum, and I will get hate mail for interviewing somebody who has different political thoughts than me and the majority of our audience. But I grew up in a age and time where free speech was paramount. We don't live in that culture anymore. Uh, both sides like to turn things down. Uh, further, I like to drink a beer and go camping and hiking with many of my uh, misguided liberal friends. And that does not bother me. Like there's more to life than politics. We are just a vapor here. And I believe that uh, if you're afraid to hear someone else speak, uh, then you probably don't trust your own arguments very much. And that's why I brought you on uh, to talk about this so that we can agree, perhaps disagree, or maybe uh, agree. Recently, you've done some extensive reporting on the residency of Cameron Sexton. Uh, can you share with our viewers what you have discovered and tell us uh, how you feel specifically that it violates Tennessee code? Yeah, a few different things. Um, I, I got a tip about this that um, the speaker uh, wasn't really living uh, in Crossville, uh, the community in Tennessee that he represents, at least not much, maybe on the weekends. And so in the course of my reporting, which has gone on for a couple of weeks now, uh, learned a couple of things, uh, learned that he, um, and he took some efforts to keep this secret, but he bought in 2021 a, a fairly nice, large home uh, in Nashville, just a few miles uh, from the Capitol. Uh, he lives there um, pretty much full time. I talked to some of his or one of his uh, neighbors uh, in Crossville who uh, reported that he's really there only on the weekends, uh, except for sometimes in the summer. The reason, one of the reasons why is, is that his youngest child is enrolled in a private school uh, in the Nashville uh, area. I also know that his, uh, his wife uh, has been working full time in Nashville. 
Uh, he eventually, after some of this reporting came out, uh, talked to Phil Williams, who's obviously a very prominent reporter in uh, in your state, uh, and said that, yeah, he's just in Nashville so much uh, that his family is based there. That's a pretty significant admission uh, as it relates to Tennessee law, because there's a residency law in Tennessee. Um, it has a lot of um, different factors, but one of the big factors is you are presumed to be a resident uh, of the place where your family lives, your spouse and your family. You can overcome that if you happen to be living someplace else. He doesn't live, so he lives with his family. Uh, you know, it's easy. That that's what he's. That's where he lives. Uh, so I do think um, there's a pretty serious question about whether he can constitutionally continue um, to represent. Uh, this his community in Crossville. Uh, interestingly enough, the Tennessean, who's obviously you know the pretty much the largest paper in in Nashville, uh, they they followed up on some of my reporting. They found their own expert to talk to, and he said, "I'm not going to weigh in because I feel like this is a very close question about whether or not he can legally represent his district." Which I think is a fairly significant story when you're talking about the Speaker of the House. So. Um, yeah, I think that's that's the sum and substance of of the reporting. And I think uh, what's interesting is that this is a very a potentially very serious uh, violation of the Tennessee Constitution. Um, but at the same time, there's you know one of the reasons why, of course, there's more scrutiny from national reporters and people like myself outside of Tennessee is because of the the fact that two members ended up being expelled for uh, what I would say were more minor violations. So I think that's how this came up. So I think one of the most important and interesting wrinkles to me is the fact that Cameron Sexton, who has been in charge of and in the Republican supermajority for some time, uh, it is, is against school choice in Tennessee, yet he sends his daughter to a school in Nashville that's not a public school. Uh, and he recently voted to keep kids that are in struggling, failing schools. And there's many of them right beside my office here that I drive by every day. Uh, he voted to keep those kids in those failing schools with no alternative for escape. Yet when it comes time to select where his daughter's going to go to school, it's not a Nashville public school. It's not even a Crossville public school. It is a uh, private school in Nashville. And to me, uh, I think that just smacks of hypocrisy, and it is not. It shows that he is not in the interest of Tennessee taxpayers, but is very much in the interest of his own daughter, which is what people do. Um, and so, I, I think if your wife works in Nashville and your kid goes to school in Nashville, and if you live in Nashville, you probably should just run in Nashville. Would be my assumption. Uh, next story. This is a, a relatively new story. Uh, Scotty Campbell uh, resigned. And Cameron Sexton obviously had to preside over or be involved in this uh, investigation of sexual misconduct with an intern, for the love of God. Um, you know, when I think about parents who want to send their children up to Nashville to learn about government, that's a parent's worst nightmare. I mean, because this, I mean, this person was obviously of age, but, you know, when my daughter gets to be 19 or 20 years old, I'm still not going to think that she's grown uh, and, and you're not, you know, I don't think you're mentally developed until you're probably like 40 years old. Uh, and so tell me what you know about this story. Tell me what you know about Sexton's involvement uh, with it, uh, et cetera. 
Yeah, I mean, I think this is a very important story uh, as well. And obviously, uh, Scotty Campbell has resigned, but there's a lot of questions that remain about how this happened. Um, you know, there is this process where someone made a complaint that that was the right thing to happen. You know, this this Scotty Campbell clearly was way outside the lines, you know, with what he was saying uh, to these young women, uh, you know, offering them drugs, asking to see their tattoos. This is the reporting from, um, you know, News Channel 5. Uh, he once this came out, he resigned within hours. But the question is, why did nothing happen until this was reported in the news? Because Sexton, at a minimum, learned this on March 29th, learned that there was a violation of the sexual harassment policy. Um, but what's interesting is he's now claiming that he didn't know any of the details. And beyond that, he's saying that under the procedures, he's prohibited from learning any of the details. And it doesn't make much sense. Uh, if you actually look at the policy, which is signed by Cameron Sexton, it does say they can't release any details to people not involved in the investigation. But the procedure is, one, the complaint, the first thing that has to happen to the complaint is it's reported to the speaker. That's Cameron Sexton. And then the speaker refers it to staff who does an investigation. When the investigation is completed, it goes back to the speaker. That's Cameron Sexton. Again, the speaker then refers it to the committee. The committee reviews it and then gives a report back to Cameron Sexton. So the idea that he's not involved and therefore can't get information just doesn't seem to match up with the procedure that he created because he's really at the center of this procedure. The other thing that's just a, that's a huge issue is not only did this happen, but after they learned that it happened, there were many thousands of dollars, Tennessee taxpayer dollars that were paid to move one of the young women from this apartment building. She happened to be living in the same apartment building as Scotty Campbell to a hotel in Nashville, also paid to move her, I guess, her belongings, furniture and whatnot that she had in the apartment back where to her home where she lived. And Sexton is saying he doesn't know how much money was spent and can't learn about it, which which doesn't make any sense to me because he's the speaker of the house and, and there is no secret speaker. He's in charge of the money that's spent uh, by, the, by the house and who 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 approved it? You know who who signed off on this? If it wasn't if it wasn't Sexton, so that's something that I'm still actively investigating and trying to trying to find out. But right now, um, it's it's pretty much uh, shrouded in secrecy. So I think there's a lot more to come uh, on this story. I don't know if um, if Sexton's current line on this, which is that he basically was in the dark, um, is really sustainable. But we'll see. We will see. Now, there was a, a decision handed down uh, from that committee, and I think it was on uh, March 29th, which would have been like roughly a month ago now, correct? That's right. Okay. So he knew for at least a month, and it was released. At that point, That it's like just kind of public knowledge, like the committee, as you understand it, has made their recommendation. Look, it, it's, at that point, it could be released to the public, correct? Yeah, although the letter itself, that the, the report, it's a page long, doesn't actually say 
anything about what happened other than there was a violation. So I think what's happening is, and I'm not sure if this is on purpose or by accident, but there clearly is a lot of effort to try to protect the privacy of the young women who are really victimized by this guy's behavior. That seems appropriate, but it's now that process is being used to protect the politicians that were involved either in the behavior itself or uh, what appears to be some kind of cover-up. Because had this not been reported, it, it, Scotty Campbell seems like he would still just be in the in the legislature and nothing would have happened to him. So I think there's a lot more that you can know that wouldn't impact the privacy of these of the victims. And I think one of the things is that's very basic is how much money was spent, who approved the money, and why was the decision made that that's the best course of action? You know, maybe you could have said, "Hey, uh, Mr. Campbell, uh, you've been sexually harassing these interns. You have to move out of this." building until their internship is over. That wouldn't have cost taxpayers any money. You know, let let the let the interns stay where they are. Why did they have to move? Scotty Campbell got this had this had to stay when he was the um the person who was engaged in in misconduct. So, you know, a lot of questions still out there. Well, we will see uh if somebody will chase this down, uh believe it or not, our Republican representatives will not get back to the Tennessee conservative, the ones that aren't conservative, because we ask tough questions. I believe uh, it used to be old school journalism was about being very skeptical about your government, regardless of the party. And it's turned into one party is very, very skeptical about the government if it's Republicans and they're Democrats. And then the other side of the press is very skeptical about Democrats if it's a Republican publication. But we really should, as the press, I believe if we're, we're doing a service, now we do come right out and say where our bias is. We've got an axe to grind and we let people know. Most people act like they don't have an axe to grind and then grind it anyway. Uh, but I believe that that we should hold our uh, elected officials to a high standard regardless of party. And this is apparently uh, not very good and we could do a lot better. Guys, help support our work. Somebody else is not going to do it. But about 95% of our subscribers and listeners think that they will, which is why and how we get into a position where we are outnumbered 80 to 1 in the volunteer state as it relates to conservative news outlets versus the corporately funded ones. Why don't we have more conservative news outlets, Brandon? I'm such a good patriot. I'm on social media all day. Well, what have you done in the last 30 or 60 days to actually help? For the most part, about all you can do to help us is to write a check and send it to the Tennessee Conservative at 1523 East 27th Street, Chattanooga, Tennessee, 37404. Those of you who do that know who you are, and I'm exceptionally and extremely thankful. But I got checks. I came in. They're stuck checks. People mail checks. I'm so excited. Uh, we need it. Our, our poor little bank account stays at the same level all the time. It doesn't go up and it doesn't go down, <laughs> and I don't take any money out of it. So if I can do this for free... You can definitely pay a little bit and chip in. Your monthly support really helps. Or you can go to tennesseeconservativenews.com slash support. And if you give any amount, you'll get this bumper sticker that says, Stop feeding the rhinos, please. Stop feeding the rhinos. This is really the fault of the corporations and the special interests that feed the rhinos in our state because God knows it is not the individuals back in their district because we know that from the follow the money report. And then we have a Don't California My Tennessee bumper sticker. Now, in all honesty, most people that have moved here from California 
uh, could have moved anywhere, and many of them are motivated almost exclusively by the fact that we're on the outside looking in, maybe not so much on the inside looking out, a conservative state, and they tend to be more conservative uh, and give more proportionally than native Tennesseans who are conservative, and they tend to take more action. That's what I've discovered. But we don't want to have the California politics come to Tennessee, and we will send you this updated uh, directory of all your state and local officials that are in the House and Senate. And we did lose one, Scotty Campbell. We're going to have to replace him. He was uh, getting a little frisky, getting a little frisky uh, with an intern. Good grief. And uh, old Sexton helped to uh, cover that up and silence it. Uh, if you get $50 or more, $50 or more, or a $10 recurring donation or more, come on, guys, $10? In Joe Biden's economy, what are you going to get for $10? Nothing. Nothing this good. We will send you this Stop Feeding the Rhinos tumbler. This is a brand new one. This is a brand new one. This is something that you could probably carry around if you wanted to in all circles, and only the conservatives will even know what a rhino is. Most people will come up and say, hey, did you know this is misspelled, or is this from your local zoo? What is this? They won't know, but the conservatives will. And we will also send you this Proud Tennessee conservative koozie. Man, I put a uh, cold beer in one of these. Uh, about five weeks ago and set it out in the sun and it is still as cold as a block of ice if you believe that please do give uh to tennessee conservative news we need your help ain't nobody else gonna do it it's up to you switching gears completely uh in a in 2013 a, a survey of journalists found that only 7.1 percent identified as republican i imagine today that number is even lower just given the way that things are going uh, what are your thoughts about the unstated biases of modern day corporate media complex? Because you know they're all owned by just a handful of companies. Maybe that's one reason you went out on your own. Uh, should they continue to feign their nonpartisan stance, or do you think they should do something like we do, where we just come right out and say, "Here's the, the here's where we're coming from. We're not going to pretend to be uh, uh, unbiased." Um, what do you think? What are your thoughts on that? It's, it's a tough question. I, I will say that my own view and my own perspective is that it's better to be upfront. You know, if you look at the about page of my publication, Popular Information, it says this is a progressive publication. At the same time, I don't think that means that I have any less of an obligation to be factually accurate. You know, and I and I I have and I really value the fact that I've got a pe people from a variety of political perspectives who read the stuff that I put out. And hopefully it's because they recognize that, like, look, I'm going to show you the deed or, you know, to Cameron Sexton's house and you are smart enough. And, and I'll tell you kind of how I feel about it and my interpretation of why this is important. But I'm going to show you the raw information as well. And you can then. I believe you are smart enough to make your own opinion about it. And you can take that and, and, and maybe you have the exact opposite conclusion. Maybe you have something in between. Uh, but I think that if you are very clear about putting together the facts, you can share your essentially your interpretation of why those facts are significant and what the import of them are. But because the facts are there, your readers can then take it and have, you know, an opposite view. And, and I get people who email me all the time. You know, I send out my newsletter. I'm getting stuff back in. 
And some of them are saying, hey, great job. And some of them are saying, hey, you blew this and here's what I think. And but that's all part of the that's all part of the process. So that's the way um, that's the way that I think things should go. I think that there's, um, you know, when uh, I think a lot of the media is trying really desperately to be perceived as unbiased and it, it backfires a lot of the time. Um, because they, every people do have views. <laughs> people do have that views and, and, and perspectives. I do think that it's healthy to have, um, a variety of views and perspectives represented, um, uh, in, in the media. And I hope that's, that's where we're going. It's, it's not always just a, a left, right thing. I think there's a lot of, um, a lot of places where there's crossover and, and, you know, you can find yourself agreeing with people um, who might be, uh, you know, associated with a different party, especially as, you know, I, I watch the way politics works here in DC. I've been watching it for some time and I, I can, I can tell you absolutely with certainty that there's a lot of very messed up things about how the democratic party works in DC and around the country. Just like, I think there's a lot of messed up things about other Republican party works, but it's absolutely not. There's no, there's no um, purity <laughs> on, on, on either side. And I do feel like it's um, my obligation when I see something um, that I think is, is wrong or is, needs to be exposed to do it um, kind of regardless of, of who, who it's about and what, what letter they might have beside their name. That's a good answer. Uh, a couple things. Uh, number one, I've thought about this. I just don't have enough time to do it because I'm a citizen journalist. I don't make any money doing this. I do it as a, as a passion project. Uh, corporate welfare in Tennessee is something that Democrats hate and conservative hate. conservatives hate, but corporate Republicans love. It's like one of those things that there's a huge push from the grassroots not to give millionaires and billionaires an unfair competitive advantage against small businesses. Uh, out of the Tennessee taxpayers' funds, it's terrible. And uh, organizations like Americans for Prosperity, which is you know uh, touts itself as being libertarian, but it's certainly libertarian conservative. Uh, we agree on that. I believe that even people as it, it, you know, not that I'm sure our viewers absolutely hate this, but I think I could probably get the, the Tennessee Three to join me on the steps of the Capitol and say enough corporate welfare. I don't like it. Uh, I hate it. And, and and even when you poll people in Tennessee, both Republican uh, grassroots voters, GOP primary voters, and Republican and Democrats at large don't like the corporate welfare. They hate it, like the Tennessee Titans Stadium and other things like that, yeah. which leads me into my next question. You've reported significantly about you know campaign finance issues. We did a very lengthy time-consuming report called Follow the Money Report. And if you want to go there, Judd, you go to followthemoneyreport.com. I think it's what it is. It's on our website. And basically what we discovered is what I knew. I wrote a book called How to Raise Money for Political Office. And um, and it it really kind of opened my eyes to, to how corrupting the influence, of, in particular, of corporate and special interest money is in politics. We basically found that the Republican leadership in Tennessee – uh, which I'm sure if you looked at the Democratic leadership, it'd be the same thing. Uh, their money comes almost overwhelmingly from outside of the district. I, I mean, it's like very small percentages of inside, inside the district. It's from special interest. It's from corporations. Uh, and, and and it's not from individuals back home. And so you've got this massive conflict. All the money, the easy money that the lobbyists bring in 
to the offices, uh, the people that basically live under the desk of the legislators up there. All that money is from left-leaning corporations, but all the votes comes from conservative primary voters back in the district. And I bet Democrats probably have the exact same thing. Uh, what have you seen with that? Uh, and and what are your thoughts on it? And is it good? Is it bad? Like what what could we do any different other than just call attention to the fact that there's this huge conflict of interest? Yeah, I mean, I think this is something that uh, we could probably find a lot of agreement on because you're right. This is this is a big through line. You know, I kind of bounce around from story to story. I, I don't I don't limit myself too much, but corporate power, corporate influence on politics, something I keep coming back to. Um, and I think it's a tricky nut to crack, right? Because we don't want to impose a lot of restrictions on what people can say, how they can use their money. That's not really part of the American ethos. But at the same time, um, what we have is money influencing these politicians so that they're, you know, looking out for, you know, what AT&T might want or what Comcast might want and not what their constituents want. One thing that I think is a simple thing that would, one, I kind of greedily as a, as a reporter, I'd love to have this information, but two, I think would make people more cognizant of, of how influence is is used on the state level and the national level is why is it when a whether it's a member of Congress or whether it's a member of the Tennessee legislature, when they're meeting with corporate lobbyists, why aren't those meetings public? Why can't I know as a constituent of, you know, whether it's Cameron Sexton or whether it's not, why can't I just have a list of, okay, here's all the lobbyists, um, you know, they met with, and then you can just sort of see, you know, who's, who's getting a seat at the table, things like that. I think that there is um, there could be a lot more uh, transparency around, um, uh, you know, we have the ability now for essentially nonprofit groups to come in, parachute into Tennessee or whatever states, dump tons of money in. Uh, but because they're a nonprofit group, if they're not specifically saying vote for this person, but they're, you know, they might just be talking about what a great person great you know person that person is you know it, it's it's not it's not tough to figure out what they're doing uh, the donors aren't disclosed so why couldn't we know where that money's come so i think transparency could could help at least a bit well it's interesting even with lobbying in tennessee you mentioned that uh we had a, a bill a couple of bills uh the one of them was that taxpayer funded lobbying, which happens all the time in Tennessee, where the government lobbies against the interest of its own constituents that it represents, that there be transparency. So if you're lobbying for the teachers you know, union or whatever it is, and you happen to be in, you know, basically in the executive branch of the government, that if you're if you're spending time and energy and effort, and in particular, if you've been hired by localities uh, or other organizations or mechanisms in the government, that we have to disclose that just as the for profit lobbyists. Republicans wouldn't even touch it uh, because they like it. And we even have uh, members of the legislature who are married to lobbyists. And it's and they're on high ranking committees. And so even though the corporate welfare is unpopular and Republicans don't like it, that money goes into the wife's pocket and then it goes into the budget of the individual voting on it, which is just remarkably unethical. And it's a huge conflict of interest. Uh, and so the, the lobbying situation with relatives and friends and wives in Tennessee, if you really want to get on a story, Judd, you might chase that one down. It's pretty ugly. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to give you the last word. I know that I will get hate mail for having somebody of an opposing view on this program, but um, 
I'm always here to bring people the truth, whether they like it or not, and it will bring some in and it will push some away, and that is all well and good. So, uh, Judd, tell people where they can uh, find out more about your reporting, and then uh, if you've got any uh, last words that you want to share, it's all yours. Yeah, you can. If you're interested in uh, in checking out my newsletter, it's free to sign up. You can go to popular.info. Uh, and just my last word is I really appreciate you um, having me on, uh, being open this to, to this discussion, to taking the reporting I've been doing in Tennessee uh, uh, seriously. Um, you know, I... Uh, I read very broadly. You know, I don't. I don't just read read liberal sites or mainstream sites. Uh, I, I spend a lot of time, uh, you know, reading right wing sites, conservative sites, um, and I think that exposing yourself to a variety of ideas only can. It, it's not doesn't show a weakness in your own convictions. I think it shows a, a strength. In, in your conviction. So I think if you've got conservative viewers who are upset that they brought me on, I think you can, I think the real takeaway should be, um, you know, you're not, you're not intimidated or, or, or worried about um, talking to somebody who, who might have a different view on, on a few issues. So I appreciate it. Uh, and I hope we can do it again sometime. Well, I've enjoyed it. I know that you're very busy. I appreciate your time. Uh, and I'll close with this uh, Buckley. I used to love watching his old firing line shows. And there's still you can go watch them in recording. And uh, we're still talking about the same things. I mean, it's like it says in Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. People think there is. It's like people that have not read, apparently, a book uh, recently thinks that all this stuff is different. It's the same. And uh, he would always have people come on and they would have these uh, these uh, very heated but very civil conversations. And we've lost that civility uh, in our in our discourse with other people, and I think it is a shame as we don't argue the merits of the ideas or the facts. It turns into some kind of tribal primal scream, which I could do without. Um, well, thank you again, uh, Judd, for coming on here. And uh, if you ever come through Chattanooga, I'll buy you a beer. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. All right, guys. Brandon Lewis here with the Tennessee Conservative News. If you'd like to find more stories like this, go to TennesseeConservativeNews.com. Hit that subscribe button or search Tennessee Conservative wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, this is BL signing off.